Amen. And you're in the best church in Denton. Praise God. And, of course, I've been, uh, as you mentioned, we've known each other for a long time, but I know a lot of you as well, see you in conference, and it's good to see a lot of new faces also in this place. I know God is bringing in new people and touching new lives, and um, I'll give my part of that story, and he was talking about how God brings destinies together and intertwines relationships, and our hearts are really bound together, not just as friends, I mean, we got a lot in common, but in the spirit, God has placed us together and intertwined our lives and our destiny. And I thank God for that. And he says, if it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be here. But if it wasn't for him, my daughter wouldn't be here. Because he, him and Carla were instrumental in the adoption of my daughter, who is going to be turning 18 in June. And we adopted her 18 years ago from the very day that she was born. We were there in the hospital. God did a tremendous miracle in that. And so it's really neat to see how God takes two lives and has a divine appointment on a basketball court. Amen. Amen. That was 19, 19 years ago. I was back when I could dunk one time. Amen. <laughs> and he threw me an alley-oop. Amen. And I dunked it. Amen. But God is so good. God is so good. God is, I'm telling you, God is blessing this church. God is blessing this church. Man. Man. <laughs> to see you guys. It's exciting. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. And the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Amen. And I'll also give a shout out to Brad. Brad, lift your hand. Because I'm going to tell you what, I don't know, very. there are very few men that have the guts and the boldness and a little bit of craziness as this guy does. Because I knew him also back in Costa Rica. And he went places, this gringo would go places that no other gringo, no other sane person would go and he was there and he was part of the ministry that was there and I'm so thankful for him as well because he uh, really helped us in doing a lot of the outreaches that we did going outside the four walls of the building so I appreciate Brad it's good to see Brad amen Pastor Blake's brother amen I want to just preach just for a few minutes tonight a very simple message Uh, I hope it will bless you will touch you and I hope it'll challenge you Challenge us and turn us on, amen, for the things of God. And I want to talk about real people with real problems that serve a real God. We have some here tonight. Uh, We got Ruth and Dave and Brad from our church. They know that I, I say this all the time, real people. We're real people with real problems that serve a real God. And the reason I say that is because, number one, the heart of Jesus, amen, John 3, 16, everybody knows that scripture, for God so loved the world. So we can talk about the cross all day. Yes, man, I'm telling you what, that's, it's because of the cross that we're saved, but behind the cross and behind Jesus, God's son being on that cross, is there's one word, and it's a powerful word, and it's that one word, love. For God so loved the world. Now think about that. He loved the world. And you, we got a mix of people in here. We got black people, Mexican people. I don't see any Asian people, but maybe, I, you know, we got all kinds of people. Amen. I'm just going to tell you I love Chinese food. Come on. God loves Chinese people. God loves every race. Amen. He doesn't care what your background is, where you came from, where you've been, how big a sinner you are, or how big a saint you are. The amazing thing about God tonight is he loves you 
in spite of how people look at you. He loves you in spite of people not loving you. And he loves you in spite of what anybody else thinks. That's, it's an amazing love. It's amazing grace that God would look down upon us miserable people who can destroy our lives because of decisions that we make. And he still loves us. And we're real people. And so I want to talk about the people that are outside these four walls, but I also want to talk about the people that are inside these four walls that know a little something about God and who might seem like they have it together and, and they've been saved now for two, three, some 10, 11, 12, and on and on. And the thing we have to remember is we're real people too. I want to look at this tonight. God sees potential. I found an article some years back talking about these, these rats. Now, how many know rats are, are dirty, disgusting creatures? And we live down in Costa Rica, and some of the rats that you see running in the gutters and in the streets and some that come into your house aren't these little tiny rats that I've seen here in the United States. These rats are like small chihuahuas. You know, they're, they're, and they're nasty-looking rats. You see them running through the street, and they're just absolutely disgusting. They carry diseases. And, and so I found this article, and the title of this article is Hero Rats. And what, it, what the story talked about was a scientist from Belgium, and it talked about these scientists that used lab rats for testing. And so... This scientist, when he was a kid, he had these pet rats, and he would train these pet rats. And he discovered that rats are highly intelligent, and they're actually easier to train than, than dogs, and they have very sensitive noses. And so he began to develop a method of training these dirty, diseased rats, amen, to smell landmines. Now, landmines, there's 60 million landmines in 69 different countries around the world. And it blew everybody away that this scientist could take these rats and that when they would find a landmine, they would actually stop and begin to paw the ground. And they knew that there was a landmine there. And they've used these since then. They've used these rats all over the world to find these hidden landmines. Now, the crazy thing is that I want to talk about tonight is that we're kind of like that. Amen. I don't like being compared to a rat. Amen. But the fact of the matter is, when people look at us, a lot of times they don't see the potential. And I guarantee you, if you would have went back before you seen every person that was lined up on this stage all the way across, before they were saved, you never, probably never could have imagined them being up here, playing an instrument, singing for God, all dressed up and looking good. But somebody saw potential in them, namely God and a good pastor. Can you say amen? And I'll say tonight, you guys are my heroes. You're my heroes. We got heroes in our church, amen? If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to look at Matthew chapter uh, 9. I want to read verse 35, and I want to start by reading this passage of Scripture that really uh, demonstrates or defines the heart of God. We see Jesus here, and he's ministering, and he's ministering to real people. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, I'm reading it in the ESV. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Now watch this in verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. 
when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The first thing that I want you to consider with me tonight is that Jesus relates to real people, real sinners, people with real problems. When we see Jesus in the Bible, he's ministering to common people. The Bible says that the poor hurt him gladly. Those that were destitute, those that, were, that had all kinds of problems, physical problems, those that had mental problems, those that had family problems, they came to this man that, who could seemingly cure all their problems. And the reason for that is because Jesus could relate to them. Now think about that because Jesus knows who you are, where you're at, and the, every problem that you're trying to hide from those that you don't want to see that problem, and he can still relate to you. Amen? And who's the one that he always had a conflict with? The Pharisees. Amen? The Pharisees. It was always the Pharisees that he had a conflict with. He never condemned the sinner, but we always see him condemning the religious. Amen? Hallelujah. There's a hurting world out there. Amen. We got this thing going on right now in our church. I'm, I don't know if you guys are doing it, but it's, of course, we have the love thy neighbor thing where you invite somebody, and uh, we've been inviting people, and that's, that's fun. And they get a little bag of candy with a little card and it says, come to our Easter service, and people don't turn it down. They're, they're very grateful for that. Amen. Then we got another one that's a random act of kindness. I was announcing this on Sunday, and I said, just think about random acts of kindness. Before we were saved, it was always random acts of meanness, right? So they were trying to come up with ideas for random acts of kindness. What could we do? Well, you know, you could open the door for somebody. You could buy somebody's grocery, buy their coffee. You could do this. You could do that. And I said, why don't we, instead of waving, driving down the road and waving one finger at somebody, why don't we wave all five fingers, Amen. <laughs> Has God changed us? Has God done a new thing in us? Amen. Instead of random acts of meanness, random acts of kindness. Amen. And so sure enough, we're driving here. We stopped to get gas in Clayton. And uh, um, a guy comes up, and I'm, get, I'm pumping gas. And, and he says, hey, could you spare some, some money? I, we need to get some gas. And, you know, I, I, know the, I see all the scams. You ever see the scams where they come up with the gas thing, and, and, and then you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I hardly ever give money to those people. And so the girls are watching from inside the car while I'm pumping the gas. And, you know, he looks disheveled and, and, and uh, they, he looks pretty rough. Amen. And he goes back over to his car and gets in his car. And I see him and his wife. Their car is full of stuff. And, and I, Sarah said, what did you say? I, I basically told him, you know, get on down the road. You know, <laughs> you ain't getting nothing from me today. And she said, well, what about random act of kindness? Oh, man. The Holy Ghost was speaking through that girl. And I was like a, a, a whore in church at the altar call, man. Like, <laughs> that's terrible, I know. I was trying to hide, man. The conviction was in there. I was like just, oh, so you, I, I said, you're right. So I took out $10 and drove around to them. And, you know, it's funny. We, we see people. We see the exterior. We see we, you know, we label people by how they look, by how they smell. We label, some people are labeled because they have tattoos or, or st stuff like that. But Jesus relates to the sinner. Can you say amen? 
We have to look past the exterior and look at the heart. That leads me to my second point, and that is this, that he had compassion. Verse 36, it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Let me go back to the tattoo thing just for a minute. Amen. We've got a guy in our church that was raised in church. We got people all over our church with tattoos. We got one guy, he's got nothing but a solid tattoo because he had a tattoo over all his gang tattoos. And he didn't want to have any conflict with any of the people. He moved out from California. He's got tattoos up and down his sleeve. We got a pastor. He's a pastor now with a tattoo on his neck. <laughs> and he's right back there, amen. He's from Greeley, Colorado. And he's saved, amen. But we got this one kid. We got the, amen. God loves people, Amen. And we got uh, this one kid was raised in our church, and he he backslid. I mean, went crazy, got into drugs and alcohol, and ended up marrying this girl. They got divorced, and and some it was a long journey back, full circle. But he comes back to our church in the last couple years, and he's got this he's this tattoo right here that says F U. And he's one of our ushers, man. He's always raising his hand, amen. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's the type of people we reach, amen. We're reaching people that. Amen. Victory World Outreach reaches people that nobody else wants. Amen. That nobody else wants. And I'm glad for that. Now, I will say this. Sometimes the hardest people to reach aren't the drug addict. Matter of fact, the, our breakaway service, I love breakaway service. We have our breakaway service on the first and third Friday of, of every month. And it's just exciting. I love to go to breakaway service. You pull up in the parking lot. You have to walk past five or six people that are standing outside smoking cigarettes, amen. You know, they're using foul language, and, and they're, you know, it's, it's breakaway service. Praise God. We're going to have church tonight. And they go in there, and, and we're giving testimonies of people that have been meth addicts and alcoholics and all these different things. But I'm telling you what, when it comes time for the altar call, Man, you see them down there. They're just all lined up at the altar, and they're just weeping, and they're crying. And thank God for that. Thank God that there's a God that loves them. But those aren't always the hardest ones to reach. They're not even, for me, they're not even the hardest ones to witness to. I, I can witness all day to somebody that's, that's bound by drugs, and they're twitching, and they, you know, and they got this problem and that. And I, all day long, it's the person, amen, that has a tie on, that's driving a BMW, uh, that's the person that intimidates me a little bit. When I'm on an outreach, they've got some type of degree, amen, some letters behind their name. They got their act together, or they seem like they have their act together. But let me tell you something. Those are people too. Those people got a soul. And they might be able to put on a front, but you don't know what that person's like when they go home and they're alone. And they pull out a bottle. And they're not going to admit that they're an alcoholic. They're a closet alcoholic because they don't want anybody knowing because of their profession or the life that they're leaving, leading. But they've got problems too. They got problems in their marriage. They got problems with their kids. And there are people out there. Amen. We think we always think. You know what? Let's go after those drug addicts. Let's go after. No, no, no. We need to go after people. For God so loved the world. Amen. Not just because we want their tithe. Although that would help, amen, but because God loves them, 
and God cares about them. Can you say amen? It says compassion. We read in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36 through 50, if you're taking notes, you don't have to turn there, but we, here's the story of Jesus, and he's invited into this home, and uh, while they're there at dinner, this, this woman, she, she finds her way, makes her way in there, and the Pharisees that are there, those that are, have invited him, they said, if he knew what manner of woman this was, he would not allow her to do what she's doing, and she throws herself at the feet of Jesus and begins to wash his feet with her hair as an act of worship, and, and, and she begins to pour out her heart, and that's the kind of people that Jesus loves, not, the, not looking at the exterior, but Jesus saw her heart. In Mark chapter 5, we see the man of the Gadarenes. Here's a man that's completely lost his mind. He's a demoniac. He's living in the tombs. He's cutting himself. And the Bible said that no man could, could chain him or tame him. And here Jesus walks right up, amen, without any fear. And he begins to minister to this man. And he, this man is set free and put in his right mind. And he becomes a preacher. The Bible says that he goes to Decapolis, which is a region of ten cities, and he begins to preach in all ten cities, giving his testimony of what Jesus did for him. We read in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, where he asked her, he says, where's your husband? Oh, I have no husband. And he said, you're right. And he begins to read her mail. I know everything about you. And he begins to tell her, yeah, you don't even have five. You, matter, or you don't have one. Matter of fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with, you're shacking up with. And begins to deal with this woman. And the Bible says that she is radically transformed and saved by the power of God. I'm going to tell you something. Revival is going to happen in this church. And when it does, let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to rock the religious boat. I preached a message. Revival will rock the religious boat. It'll, it'll make the religious people so uncomfortable. My dad, amen, and actually uh, Pastor Blake's dad, will probably remember back in the 70s when the Jesus movement happened. That's what my dad got saved in. He came into the Jesus movement, and there was people, you've heard him tell stories of the hippies that were getting saved. And they were coming, it was revival, man. When they were coming in, and they were trying to tell them, no, you can't bring your dog in. And the women weren't wearing bras, and they had long, the men had long hair, and, and, I, and it, it was just, I mean, the, it was crazy. And they weren't getting saved one and two and three. No, they were getting saved like 20 and 30 at a time. And revival broke out. And a lot of the churches would not let them come through their doors. And that's why I say revival will rock the religious boat. It was the Pharisees that didn't want Jesus doing what he was doing. He was messing up their order. <laughs> I like that. Jesus will mess up the order of everything. Man, you're not supposed to snot and slobber all over these altars. Don't you know that? We had a, a girl on Sunday night, young girl that came in. Man, I'm telling you what, she was, she had a demon. Maybe two, maybe. <laughs> it, it, it got our church so excited. It was altar call. And before we knew it, man, Pastor Paul was, he was leading in songs, and she was right up on the stage. They had to come up and grab her, bring her down. She started manifesting. She was throwing punches and swinging and, 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 and screaming. And little Martina, amen, from Costa Rica, Joanna's mom, man, she would not back down for nothing. And they began to pray and pray, and they were casting out that devil. And just like that, all of a sudden, it's, it, Set her free. And her eyes opened up, 
And she was looking around like, where am I? Like, what just happened? And she had a big smile on her face. That's revival. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants. We didn't come to play church. I don't want to have another church service. Amen. I don't want to go through the rituals and come in and go back out. I want God to do something fantastic and exciting. Amen. And Jesus tonight personifies revival. Hallelujah. Do we love people in this place? Amen. Do we have the love of God? Do we have the compassion of God? People need to know that Jesus loves the sinner. How do they know that? Because you told them? Because they saw it on TV? No, because you demonstrated it to them. You demonstrate it. Amen. We don't live for Jesus. Jesus lives through us. Amen. He lives through you. You have a testimony. Lots of testimonies in this place. God did that for a reason, so you can glorify him. And he loves it when you glorify him. And just because you have a testimony and that you've been to prison and you've done drugs, doesn't mean that you can't testify to somebody that's never had an experience like that. Because people don't care how much you know, where you've been. They want to know how much you care about them. And that's demonstrated with the love of Jesus. If there's anything that takes place in this rally, I hope you catch that part of our vision, and that is to reach, teach, and send. We want to reach the lost. We want to reach the hurting. And I believe that when we do that, that's the heart of Jesus. I remember in Los Cuadros, Brad remembers Los Cuadros. That's where we pastored a church, and it was one of the most difficult areas uh, in that area in, in Costa Rica, in, in San Jose, lots of crime, lots of drugs, all kinds of chaos that people were getting shot all the time, and we heard gunshots. We, see, we saw people dealing drugs in front of the church. Uh, uh, I, we had one kid that had overdosed right in front of the church. We had to pick him up. We had to rush him to the, the, the emergency right down the street. I mean, all kinds of craziness that would happen. And there was one guy there. His name was Edwin. And... When I got there, they told me that uh, he would come around. They would drink the, the alcoholics. Of course, we had the drug addicts that were always doing crack. That was the drug of choice. I don't know what it is now, but it was crack. And then we had the alcoholics. And the interesting thing was I never had a problem with, with the drug addicts. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but the alcoholics, when they would come around the church, they were always belligerent. They would be, they would be red-faced and drunk and screaming and you know, trying to stand outside our service while we were singing songs. I tried to sing the same songs, and all the dogs in the neighborhood would be howling and crying, and people, what's going on, you know? And this guy, this guy Edwin, he was an alcoholic. They would take rubbing alcohol and mix a flavor into it, shake it up, and that was their drink of choice because they couldn't afford anything else. Can you imagine the smell of rubbing alcohol? And he had a cart. He pushed this cart around. He had it full of stuff. He was homeless there. And they said, you know that guy right there? The, his story is he used to be a pastor in Los Cuadros. Had a wife, had a kids. At some point, he began drinking. I don't know the whole story or what took place or what happened, but here was this guy who had lost everything. He was an alcoholic. And I remember he would come in. A lot of times he would sit outside the door and he would listen to the preaching, listen to the singing. And occasionally he would come in, sneak in the back, sit in the back, completely drunk. 
And one night he came in, we did the altar call, and he walked all the way down to the front. And I could smell him before he was halfway down. He smelled like rubbing alcohol. He smelled like urine. He smelled like filth and stink. And I don't know what compelled me to do this, but I walked down off the stage, and he was trying to tell me something. I just threw my arms around him. The smell almost knocked me to the ground. It was bad. And he reached around, and he grabbed me back, and he just, he just squeezed me. And like a, like a son to a father, he just he grabbed a hold of me, and he began weeping and crying and crying. What was I didn't even say anything to him. The love of Jesus was demonstrated in that very moment, and he gave his life to Christ. We prayed the sinner's prayer. And he stayed as long as we could until we closed those doors. But God had no doubt done something. Now, did he go back out and drink? Probably the next day he probably did. Did that mean that he wasn't saved? I don't think so. I believe that God and the grace of God touched him, and the mercy of God was extended to this sinner. And the story behind the story is that less than a month later, they said, did you hear about Edwin? And I said, no, I didn't hear. They said he, they found him dead in the street. His legs were swollen up from the alcoholism, and, and he had lost his life. But it wasn't but a month later. I believe in my own heart that God did something special on that night, that there was a divine appointment for him, and he walked into that church, and the love of Jesus was demonstrated. Not, nothing I did. I'm, I'm nobody. But I'm trying to tell you tonight that God wants to use us with a heart of compassion. Now, Jesus reaches real people with real problems. Let's talk, about, let's talk about us in this place tonight. Amen. We've talked about them dirty, ugly, rotten sinners out there. Amen. Outside these. Let's talk about us. We're real people. I heard not too long ago, maybe some of you will know what I'm talking about, of a pastor who had a very large church here. I can't remember if it's in North Carolina, where it's at, somewhere somewhere down south. And he um, has a very large church. I don't know if it's 20, 25,000. And it came out in the news that he addressed his congregation. He said, I have a problem. Here's somebody that's been through college. Here's somebody that's put in the hard work to build that church and However he did it, it was, a, it was a big church, a mega church, very well-known, excellent communicator. And he got up before his congregation, and he says, I have to admit something to you. And he said, I am an alcoholic. And their jaw dropped. And they were thinking, well, maybe he's talking about something in the past. You know, AA, they tell you, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. He's, gonna, he's leading into a story. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you don't understand he said, I've been hiding this from you. I've, I've even been hiding it from my wife as long as I could. But finally she knew. And she's the one that has convinced me to come clean about this if I want to get healing and get help. And I'm going to have to step down as your pastor because I'm an alcoholic. Man, I'm telling you what a lot of the world, you know what they did? They put, started pointing their finger, doing this and, and saying that. And, and you know what? Bunch of hip, I knew it, a bunch of hypocrites and this and that. And my heart went out to him because here's a person that Jesus, just as much as he loves those that are outside and have messed up lives, he loves those that are inside and have a proclivity or a, a bent that's there. The devil don't leave you alone just because you got saved. Matter of fact, you become number one on his hit list. 
He's going to trip you up and find a way anyway. And that's why we have to continually fight, 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 and strive for the kingdom. Amen? And we're real people. And I, we have people as pastors. We see this all the time. People will come to us and, and, and never ceases to surprise us some of the things that we hear in our offices. And all we can say is, you know what? God's a good God. God can help you. God can redeem you. God can redeem you. It's not over. They think it's over. It's over. I can't. I'm, you know what? I might as well just leave. I might as well, you know, I, I've failed everybody. I've failed my family. I've failed this. I've failed that. You know, what we like to say is, you know what? There's, number one, there's healing. God's, not only is he a healer of your body, he's a healer of your mind, and he's a healer of your soul. And he's a redeeming God. And the best is yet to come. It's not over. It's not over. Amen. So the third thing that I want to leave you with tonight is that the opposite of real is fake. The opposite of real is fake. You know, the, one of the most miserable things to be is a fake Christian. <laughs> I always tell people I'd rather go out and just go f- full-blown sinner than, than be a a sinner trying to be a fake in church. Please those around you, come on Sunday morning, let them know, hey, there you got your tie, everything's good. Then go back out and live like the devil. Be real. I'm not saying you got to tell everybody what's going on, but you know what, we got these small groups that are coming up. Um, I don't know if if he pastors talked about that, but in our church we've got small groups and We've already started some of them, and one of the things about being with other men in a small group and men that you know that you can confide in, that's very important. You don't want to just tell everybody your business, but men that you know you can trust, they're a friend. They're not just going to blab all your stuff. Iron sharpens iron. And there's something about saying, hey, you know what? I'm dealing with this thing. Can you pray with this about me? Don't have to give me all the, don't give me the details. I don't want the details. Amen. Let's just agree together. Let's pray together. And then I'm going to ask you again, how's it going? Is God helping you with that? And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to reach down underneath your arm and I'm going to lift you up. And you're going to do the same. We're going to get through this together. We're going to make it. We're going to grow together. We're going to win. We're going to be victorious. And the opposite of real is fake. And this is why Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees. Because he said they were nothing but whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. They got all the, the apparel and the exterior, and they got everything that says religion, and that they're doing good, and they got all the, all the rules, but it's fake. It's fake. I got this. Anybody know what a Hublot watch is? You know why you don't know? Because these watches are $25,000 watches. Money. Floyd Money Mayweather promotes Hugh Blow. And you know he's got a lot of money. These watches, is that a nice watch or what? You can feel this watch. It's heavy. That's gold right there, baby. $25,000 watch right there. Wish it was real. <laughs> Boy, do I wish it was real. It wouldn't be on my wrist if it was. Boy, I'd put that $25,000 in my bank account. It's a copy watch. This is a fake watch. But it's a high-end copy watch. It's not one of those you, you shake around and the little thing's turning and you would just wear it because it looks good because it, it doesn't even tell time. It's not one of those. 
I actually paid a lot of money for this watch, and I got it over in Kenya, and it's a nice copy watch, but it's, but it's fake. And that's how a lot of Christians are. Man, that looks, like, that looks good. Looks good on my wrist. Man, look at them. They got it all together. Amen. We got a lot of fakes in our churches, fakes in every church. Amen. But I like to say that our church has a lot of real people. Real people with real problems. Let me finish with this. The difference that we have is we serve a real God. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. I could put on this nice jacket, but my righteousness is as filthy rags. The Apostle Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Here's a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Gospel, of, of the New Testament, and, and gives us the revelation of the cross. An amazing man, the Apostle Paul, the chief of sinners. Amen. You can talk about Romans chapter 6 where it says we have power over sin through the cross, but then it goes into Romans chapter 7, and he begins to talk about this conflict that he has between the spirit man and the carnal man. And a lot of us can relate. It's the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It's like, man, I come in, I've got this extreme high where I come into church and I'm excited. Man, that was the most awesome service. God really touched me. And then we go into the week and by Tuesday or Wednesday, man, we're completely defeated and we're giving in to some of the things that we normally wouldn't do. And we have this battle between the carnal nature and the spirit man. Romans chapter 7, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. That's the words of the Apostle Paul. But that's a real man. That's a real person with a real, a real problem. And we ain't putting anybody down. We're at some point in this, we're all, we're all somewhere. And none of us are any better than the next person. And I love that saying that it's level ground at the cross. It's level ground at the cross. <laughs> ain't nobody better than anybody else. Can you say amen? And sometimes people fall. Sometimes people fail. Sometimes people sin. Sometimes people disappoint. Amen? That's why we have altar calls. Amazing thing, the churches won't have altar calls. Oh, the, heard one preacher say, oh, they, they know they're sinners. Well, we give an opportunity for an altar call because there's a special time, a special presence of God, something that takes place where God is drawing the heart of man, and he's basically he's extending his hands and saying, "Let me help you." That doesn't have to take just take place at an altar, but I'm just telling you tonight. That's why we need altars, is because we're real. It says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. You know, a shepherd is a pastor. That's what that means. And if you're in Germany, you're a German shepherd. That's just a little, I know, stupid, corny, I know. But I just wanted to kind of draw you back in. Okay. And, you know, I, I preached a message years ago on knee-deep in sheep. Amen. <laughs> knee-deep in sheep. And I was talking about David and how David was a shepherd. And it talks about how when he became a king, he had this huge responsibility over this kingdom, all these people underneath him reached the pinnacle and God put him in that position. But he didn't put him in that position before raising him up in the sheep pen. Before he ever killed the giant, he had to protect those sheep and kill a lion and kill a bear. We know the story. 
And as a young man, he took care of those sheep. And he had to, one of the things about taking care of sheep is you got to clean up the manure. <laughs> right? Sheep are dumb. They're stinky. You got to take care of them. You got to protect them. You got to. And so he learned that, and he became a great leader. And as a pastor, we understand, listen, we understand that people are like sheep. I'm not saying you're dumb. Amen. But sometimes we are. But as a pastor, we know that sometimes you got to clean up after the sheep. We just want to see you make it to heaven. Can you say amen? We serve a merciful God. <laughs> he's a merciful God. He's a, he's a God of grace. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. Like these rats. These rats where this scientist sees the potential. Nobody else could see the potential in rats. Get rid of rats. Use them as in, in labs for tests and blah, blah, blah. And he sees the potential because he had one as a pet. And God sees potential in you and I. And those, anybody that walks through those doors, anybody that is out there, there's potential in them. You know, God cre didn't create them for the world. God created him, them, every last person for a relationship with him. Every last person. And I'll just end this tonight. We're real people with real problems who serve a real God. For those that are out there, for every person in here, don't ever feel like, how can I say it? Like you're too far gone or you're not worthy. God loves you. It, it's, there's a reason it's called amazing grace. Amen. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Just in reverence to God, the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. He's speaking to hearts. I really sense that God is, God is going to help some people in this place tonight. It's very easy sometimes to feel like God is angry with you. I get that. Nobody wants to fail God. Nobody wants to displease their father. Nobody wants to. Now, there is a thing called conviction. The Holy Spirit will bring a conviction. He'll convict your heart if there's sin there. It's not to hurt you. It's to help you. The Holy Spirit will say, you know what? That's not right. Let's, you need to deal with that thing. But he's not. Our, the Father in heaven isn't a father that's going to wants to beat you and slap you around. The father that I see in the Bible is like the father of the prodigal son. He gives his inheritance to him and he takes off and leaves, leaves his dad and leaves his family. And the Bible says he goes and he spends it and, and wastes his life on riotous living. And he finds himself with the pigs, eating the, the food of the pigs. So he goes back to his father's house and he just hopes that maybe he could become a servant and work for his dad. And here's the father that I see in our father in heaven. is a father that, the Bible says, he looked way afar off. That means he was so far out there, but the father still saw him and loved him, even while he was a sinner out there. And he looked for him, and when he got closer, he threw his arms open wide. And this is the part where I like to say he loved him, threw his arms open so wide that he died on a cross for them. But this father 
opened his arms wide and welcomed that son, said, my son has come back home. Let's have a party. We'll kill a fatted calf. Get the robe. Get the ring. My son has returned. That's a loving father. So whatever you, whatever mentality you have of this father that just wants to beat you down for your sin, you have a wrong perception of who God is. For God so loved, loved, he loves you tonight. God's dealing with somebody tonight. You don't feel like you're worthy of God's love. You feel like you've, like you've messed up so many times that you've hit this altar so many times that God is just tired of you coming back. He's not. He's not. I don't care if you've done it a hundred times. Come back a hundred and one. He loves you. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, in reverence to God, just for a few minutes, if you're, if you're away from God tonight, you have sin in your heart, you have things you know that are unpleasing to God. Maybe it's even simply not necessarily a, a sin per se, but it's negligence. You've neglected prayer and, and reading. You've neglected the things of God. You just kind of strayed. You've, you're growing cold. But you say, tonight I want to come back and I want God's grace and mercy. I want God to wrap his arms around me. I want to know him in a way that I haven't known him. I want him to forgive me. If that's you, I want you to quickly put your hand up, put it right back down. I need Jesus tonight. God bless you. How many more? Quickly put it up, put it right back down. Don't wait. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Amen. I said we're real people. Amen. I'm not trying to isolate anybody, embarrass anybody. Every last one of us is in this boat tonight. You see, I need God's grace. I need help. I'm struggling with something. You don't have to tell nobody what it is here tonight. You're going to tell it to God. I'm struggling with an addiction. I'm struggling with a habit. I'm struggling with something that I know is not pleasing to God. Before I walk out these doors, I want to get my heart right with God. Don't think, don't think, oh, well, I'm just going to go out and do it again. No, no, don't, don't think like that. This is a now moment. This is a now moment. God bless you, sir. Thank you. I see that hand. How many more? God bless you. Quickly, I'm going to count to five. Then we're going to stand to our feet. And if that's you, quickly, I want you to put your hand up. One, put your hand up. Don't, don't, don't waste time. Don't play games with God. Two, how many more honest hearts? You say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. God bless you. Three, four, God bless you, sir. Thank you. How many more honest hearts? We're real people, church. Five. Let's all stand to our feet in this place today. We're going to sing a few songs. We're going to open up these altars. If you raise your hand, I want you to come. I want you to just come find a place. Somebody's going to somebody's going to pray with you. But I'm going to invite the whole church, anybody and everybody, to come find a place. Let's talk to God. Everybody needs God to do something. Amen. We're getting ready to go into this rally. Let's expect great things. Let's expect God to do a revival in our heart. Let's find a place to pray. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, merciful, merciful God. I need you, God. Oh, Jesus, I come just as I am, God. You know my heart. You know every secret, God. You know every failure. You know every flaw. Oh, take me tonight, God, just as I am. I surrender to you, God. I surrender my heart. I surrender my will. Jesus, 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 touch these people, Lord. Touch us tonight, God. Thank you for the 
balm of Gilead. Thank you for your healing anointing tonight, God. Oh, every heart, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he's good tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.